Welcome to Mystic and the Skeptic. In this week's show, we have our guest, Sharon Harris. She's an entrepreneur and um, she runs two uh, different companies, uh, My Hebrew Roots and her affiliate company, Trendy Designs. She's an entrepreneur and a resident of Dallas, Texas. Uh, she will be discussing with us uh, different subjects, but mostly addressing the, the homeless uh, question, uh, the question of home, homelessness in the U.S. Um, a few years back, my wife did a research paper on homelessness in Houston and how it affects different uh, communities. And she was dealing with ways to address the problem. Here in Houston, they've had um, different initiatives, such as um, they were going to build a huge um, center for the homeless. And what they were really trying to do is trying to um, outlaw homelessness because they have a lot of events coming to Houston, such as the Super Bowl, and they want to keep them away from the rest of the population so people are not bothered by them. And they just, they're working on passing another law um, banning people feeding the homeless, uh, people um, in, in the homeless population building tents or structures uh, because they say it's a, it's a fire hazard, but it's, it's kind of like a way of um, marginalizing them and discriminating against them according to some uh, nonprofits who, who are working with them. So um, if we can... Um, Start with a little bit about uh, your background and what has been your experience supporting the homeless community in the Dallas area. Sure, David. It's so nice to meet you again. Well, um, I come from a unique background because I, too, was homeless at one time. I was, let's say I had 20 years in the medical field, over 20 years in the medical field. I sustained an injury. And as a single parent, my resources were limited. Uh, I didn't get any help from the government. I was actually living very well. I drove a Jaguar, and um, my children were very good in school. And I had no problem, but I did sustain an injury. And from that one injury, my entire life changed. It's just, it just snowballed. <laughs> So, um, and it was right at the last year of my, my youngest child in, in school, and thank God it was, and got them off and, um, you know, sold it into their school and everything. But what they didn't know was what mom was going through here. And um, it got to a point, David, that I had to actually check into a homeless mission. Now, my background is a little bit different than most of that. Uh, homeless people's background because I wasn't on drugs. I didn't have any mental issues. Um, um, I, I had a workable career, but I couldn't work because of my injury. But um, what I did was I checked into a mission that was very inexpensive. I thought, oh, wow, I can save money here. And I did. And I saved up for two months. And that money ran out. It's like, oh, my goodness, now what do I do? Well, I had a beautiful car, so I stayed in my car. It was either stay in my car or beg friends or, God forbid, your family for assistance. And with my ego, that wasn't going to happen at the time. But I still made it work. 
And guess what? Uh, I was fortunate, but not many people are fortunate, and that's why I'm speaking with you tonight. So what happened to your children at that time? Were they already grown and able to take care of themselves, or were they uh, caught in this situation as well? Yes. Yes, yes. Um, they actually went to Israel, and um, I'm quite sure uh, they enjoyed themselves without mom letting them know that, oh, wow, I'm actually going through a hard time here. Most parents refuse, especially single parents, we refuse to tell our children just how bad it can really be. You know, you want to protect them from the world. But strangely enough, David, I thought it was an experience and it was an adventure. Um, even some of the people said that you're not really, <laughs> you don't look homeless. It's, to you, this is fun or, or it's just an adventure. And I said, well, um, maybe because I always know that it's going to be okay. Um, I took everything to stride. I didn't change too much. If anything, um, I just stayed focused on what I had to do in order to make my situation better. And I did. So, um, here I am. Well, it's interesting that um, when I was a college student, I decided to go on trips, and a lot of times I didn't have enough money to pay for a hotel. And I, I never stayed overnight at a homeless shelter, but I would go there to have breakfast or to um, kind of compliment my lack of money. So I went to a homeless shelter in Dallas and one in New Orleans, and the one in New Orleans, the food was okay, but the one in Dallas, I was very troubled by the type of food they were giving our our, our homeless community. It was things that were um, really unhealthy. And when I asked them, is it because it was donated to you? They're like, no, we had to buy it. And it was a, a church-affiliated homeless shelter, and they they were buying food that was very fatty, very unhealthy and then I, I wonder like are, are we really helping the homeless or are we adding to them having health issues later on with the kind of food uh, they were being provided it was like a hot dog a donut and a glass of milk and a piece of bread and it, I felt like I was in in France during the revolution like people were getting um, um, in a sense mistreated uh, by by the food available but I guess it's better than nothing It is better than nothing, but you're correct about that. The type of meals that they serve is not very healthy. Um, at least the one that I paid to stay in, it wasn't healthy at all. Um, but I was grateful to get it. Most of it was very sweet, uh, like you said, donuts and um, lots of sugar in the food, lots of carbs. Um, and I'm not the kind of person I don't really worry about carbs, but it was just a little too much um, in that area. But you know, at least a hot meal is, you know, I didn't complain because it was provided. But remember, I also paid for that. So that kind of went along with what, you know, um, I was blessed to be able to um, get for myself. The other people didn't have an option. Those are the ones I worry about because they did not know the difference. They didn't know that their food is, wasn't uh, healthy for them. They did not know that um, you could eat better. And there was no uh, dietitian there, no one there to tell them, you know, you have a right to go out and get something better, but 
they're homeless. They're, their main idea right now is to think about sleeping and finding uh, something to eat. They don't really care about what it is sometimes. Not most people, but um, some of them, they really don't care. But it's up to the community to say, you need to provide better food for these people, if at all possible. So um, we've talked about this. Um, what brings about homelessness? Um, you know, there's this idea of people are a paycheck away from homelessness or um, an illness away or, um, you know, mortgage. Uh, people who, who are part of predatory lending, losing their homes because of bad deals and um, not being able to pay their their mortgage. So, um is that what you saw or was it mostly people with mental health problems and with addiction who were going through this mission? I would say 90% of the homeless people I met, they just had a mental issue. Um, if you combine a mental issue with alcohol and drugs, you really have problems then, okay? Um, maybe 5% of them um, did not have any um, things like drugs or or um, uh, abusive behaviors or, or what have you. They just had a bad situation. And as you said, they were one paycheck away or one illness away from being homeless. And it wasn't just me. Um, I ran into a couple of people there that they were IT professionals, um, Highly educated, but they were, once again, one paycheck away from being homeless. And if we don't stop our, or at least if we don't improve our spending habits, you will be surprised at how many people can flood the homeless community. It's already flooded now, but I think it's going to grow if we don't stop it or at least slow down the progression of homelessness right now. Is it that in, in our culture, people are disposable and then providing opportunities uh, for people not to become homeless is not a priority? Is that what you see? Is it the bootstrap mentality that uh, you have to do it on your own and, and there shouldn't be any services for people who are struggling financially? Sure. Um, do you think that it's part of our culture to have like a, uh, an idea of people being disposable and the bootstrap mentality that everybody has to do it on their own and that there shouldn't be any handouts or, or services for people who are struggling financially. Is that what brings about some of the homelessness? And then there's also the issue of, of lack of support to people with mental health issues. I believe so. I also believe that people feel that it's always an agency that can take care of them. Most people are so wrong when they feel that well, why can't they go to the shelter? They are supposed to take care of those people. Well, they don't realize the shelter has more than enough people there. It's, it's, they're filled to capacity. Most shelters, they only can take 20 people, 40 people, maybe 100 people. But you have hundreds of people in the community. Hundreds, okay? That's why we have places called Tent City. It is so many homeless people out there that they'll just be completely swamped. There's just not enough space. 
also in mental health institutions, there aren't enough beds to hold the homeless population. They put them in there for a couple of days, treat them, and then they're back out on the street again, doing the exact same thing. If they're not rotating through the healthcare system, they're rotating through the jail system. You see them on the corner, they can't stand up. What do the person there do? They call the police. They can't walk, so they take them off to jail. Guess what? That's a very expensive problem, putting a homeless person in jail. How much does it cost the community then? I would rather have a facility for them to go and take the burden off of paying for them in jail, but no one really considers the cost of that anymore. It's just an easy fix. Just take them and put them in jail. Well, and here in Houston, during the first Super Bowl that we had, they put them on buses and took them to the suburbs. And they just put them back on the street in the suburbs so they wouldn't bother the stars that were coming through in the downtown area. Um, so then the last mayor said that, that she would build this facility to house them because it's cheaper than putting them in jail or to chase them down. But tell me about these tent cities. Um, do, do you think that they're a hazard, like they're saying here, trying to pass a law banning them because don't they protect people from the elements and give them the ability to survive out in the in the wilderness or in the in the city? I must admit, um, I'm, I have very limited knowledge about tent city. But what I do know about um, some of the people that live there, I have a friend um, um, that still chooses to live there. I have no idea why. Um, but a lot of people choose to live there because they can't save money. Um, some people live there because they just can't follow rules whatsoever. They just rather live on their own. You have a few people like that. Um, 80% of the people that I've seen that actually live in Tent City, once again, they are just psychologically impaired. That's all. That's, that's, that's the way it is. But if you're going to try to get rid of Tent City, not just in Dallas, but in Houston or any other place, you're going to have to find a place to put these people. You just can't say we're going to tear down Tent City and what happens later is it sprouts up in another location. It's just away from the people that saw them the first time. So you're not really doing anything to solve the problem. You're just moving the problem. Um, I would suggest, personally, the private sector start taking over, not the leaving for the government to handle the situation. Because if it was the case, they would have done it by now. This is not necessarily a government issue. It's a community issue. If you want to stop seeing say, Uncle John sleeping on the sidewalk, you need to put Uncle John somewhere else. And I use the term Uncle John because it's a person. Um, I don't like to think of them as just a homeless man. They do have names. They do have relatives. They do have um, people that care about them. I happen to care about them. So I suggest the private sector start thinking of programs or in places to put the homeless people. Um, and it's a lot cheaper than putting them in jail, and it's a heck of a lot cheaper than putting them in the hospital. So that's my, my answer for at least reducing homelessness. You, I don't think you're ever taking it completely away because you always have a few people that still want to follow their own rules. But if you can find a warehouse 
that's the warehouse with mostly security officers that will rotate on each floor at this you know, multi-level, have two police officers there that they should report to on duty 24 hours so you can keep down troublemakers. Make sure they get a shower. Make sure they get an adequate meal, three meals a day. Don't kick them out so early at 6 o'clock in the morning knowing that they're going to get into trouble. Allow them more time to stay in the building. This is the problem with a lot of psychologically um, ill homeless people is that they get kicked out at 5, 6, 7 o'clock in the morning. Then they go downtown and, and whatever they do, you know, uh, they just hang on the corners or what have you. And they're there all day with nothing else to do until they come back at 5 or 6 o'clock in the afternoon, and then they are, if, if they have a spot in the shelter, they go back at 5 or 6 o'clock in the afternoon and um, have dinner, and they, they go to sleep, and they're back up again the next day. They're doing that six days a week. You have to find a place for these people to go. And there are too many warehouses in a downtown, in any city, in a downtown region, that is low cost that you can put them in and you can furnish it with simple bed, linen, give them some scrubs to sleep in. That's very inexpensive um, clothing. It's easy to clean. Um, have them rotate shifts on, um, you know, domestic chores like uh, washing or what have you. Let them be self-sufficient for themselves. And um, I think that would take care of the homeless homeless issues, at least most of the people. And there you have it. <laughs> well, tell us about the outreach you have done so far. And when you mentioned the, um, the business world or the corporate entities um, dealing with the homeless um, struggle, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is, are they going to try to make money out of the homeless? Are they going to use them as a labor force like they do in prisons where they pay them very little and try to use them to create things or is it um is there a way um to help them and for uh private individuals to benefit from helping them as well i think it's an awesome idea to do i myself was um thinking of a program with my company to um at least train the uh, some of the homeless people not everybody can qualify to be trained some of them are so badly sick, mentally ill, that they just can't function. There's just no way they can function. But I'm looking at those 10 to 20% maybe that can possibly do something. Um, there are companies that stuff envelopes. There are companies that um, 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 roll stamps or what have you. Those kind of uh, assembly line positions would be great for the homeless because they're repetitive and they're something they can keep up with. Um, you can try to find those who are capable of working, certify them for a period of time, and let them work for your company and or give them a certificate of completion of maybe 30 days or 90 days of training that shows that they are um, they're capable of working at another corporation. This would help their ego. And we, I'm only speaking of those who can do that type of work. I can't expect 
100% of the homeless people to be able to do that. That's, that's not realistic. But there are, are a few homeless people that would love an opportunity to just be able to prove that they're more than what you see, that they have a purpose. And I think it's worth, again, for the private sector to think of these programs, not necessarily the government. One of the stereotypes or um, the word is, um, it's like a taboo or um, that people put on the homeless is that, that they are uh, mentally uh, unstable. And the same goes for veterans and veterans who are homeless. So do you think that some companies are scared to hire people who are homeless because they, they're afraid that they might uh, become violent or um, not be reliable? Is, is that one of the things that gets in the way? And also they don't have a, a permanent address and you have to have a driver's license to even fill out an application in, in a lot of places. Mm -hmm. Some homeless shelters, they give their... Um... Um, some of the um, uh, homeless uh, men and women's uh, passes to use the bus to get back and forth. And those passes are good for an entire day. So we're speaking about the ones that are capable of working. Again, not the ones who are not. Those who are violent, they can't. They just can't perform. We're just going to edit that out. They, just the ones who are, who are of quality and who can work. Um, I have seen a few that are ready to go to work. Again, I don't think the percentage is that high, but for those who want to work, give them the opportunity to. For those people who were criminals or those people who were veterans and they just sustained, say, post-traumatic shock and they're trying to get back into the workforce, these kind of jobs are fantastic. When it's repetitive, they um, repetitive task is, is soothing for them, in my opinion. I'm, I'm not a psychologist or anything, but it's something that they can get pride from and a feel pride, rather. Um, I personally, again, want, want to develop a program like that where they can possibly roll labels on bottles and um, if they come to work from 9 to 5 or what have you, then I could certify them in 30 days to say, hey, this guy showed up at work. He is employable. He can go out there and do your job. He can, um, this is what he did for me at my company. If he can do it for me, he has a high chance that he can do it for someone one else. So that's what I'm hoping to, to initiate one day. In your experience when you were living in this mission, um, were you ever afraid for your safety? Um, every time I see women um, panhandling or, or seeking resources out in the community, um, I'm worried about exploitation or being um, attacked by by men that are also homeless. Um, was that ever a concern? And um, Is, is that something that is uh, rampant among that community as well, just like it is with people who have homes? I can actually say, and you would never believe this, <laughs> but I wasn't so much worried about the men being predators, and I'm quite sure that there were some, 
but they watched us pretty um, pretty regularly. The, the women were separated. As a matter of fact, uh, you weren't allowed to speak to the opposite sex unless that was your husband. If you were single, you were se- uh, segregated from the man, which is a fantastic idea. Um, and that makes you feel safe. Um, because they're quite sure there were some women that have under, um, that had rapes or some type of molestation in their lives. And they, they would probably be afraid if a guy was too close to them. So, um, no, I wasn't afraid of the men there. What I was afraid of were the people that were over us, <laughs> strangely enough. They had complete control over the population that came through the mission. Unfortunately, they had very, very bad attitudes. (laughs) They, um, um, let's just say the homeless people were a lot nicer than the people that were over, (laughs) over, over, uh, over the prisoners, if you want to call it. They were very, very uh, rude to them. Um, I didn't like that. Um, Again, I was the kind of person I could fend for myself, but to see those who were really, really, really weak um, getting shot down like that, I, I, I did see a few things, and um, I stood up for my rights, and if you stand up for your rights, then sometimes they try to single you out, but no, I was never afraid, never afraid there. Um, the only thing I am is a bit of a neat freak, and... I had to get accustomed to a lot of people. wasn't as tidy as I wanted it, but it was it was uh, livable, and that all I can see about that one thing. <laughs> well, let's talk about that. Are, do they have professionals or people who are well trained to take care of the homeless population, or is it just any church can ask money from the government and open up a homeless shelter and take? Um, you know, people and, and in a sense, get paid by the government to to house individuals that, that need more professional help, and then they hire uh, people off the street to take care of them. So do, do you feel that that's one of the problems with the way uh, it's being dealt with at this time? Um, I don't know much about the administration. Um, I do enjoy that it is um, their religious organizations that take over this. That's a wonderful idea for religious organizations to take over if they truly are caring. Um, I don't think a religious organization should um, force the people within their um, their missions to follow along with the, that certain religion. Um, um, I think we should have an option whether to, as a homeless person, I think you should have an option with participating with that religious organization's um, uh, program um, where it comes to, um, you know, if you're, say, for instance, if you're Jewish and you're going to a Christian organization, someone should force you to go to chapel. Um, and And I don't think that's fair. I have seen that before. And um, they politely refuse, and and uh, but I don't think you should force a person if they're of a, a different religion to participate in yours just to, just so you can spend a night in safety. That's not fair to that person, in my opinion. 
And last question, do you feel that here in Texas uh, there's not enough resources for people with mental health uh, uh, illnesses or deficiencies? Do you feel that, um, that because of that a lot of them end up homeless? No, there, <laughs> there's not enough resources to a certain extent. Um, I think the resources are being... Uh, <laughs> we might have enough resources, they're just not using it properly. If they're monitoring their costs, if the money is actually getting to that homeless person, I would like to see exactly how much they're spending on these people, to be honest with you. I, I'm sorry I'm all over the place right now, but I feel that they're not getting as much of a dollar is being contributed as they could because it's going into too much administration work and not actually to the homeless person. As a homeless, as a, um, a post-homeless homeless person, I can actually tell you, I do not eat $20 worth of food in a day, and that's what you're charging some of the, um, um, that's, that's how much food that say that it's cost to feed them. It's not $20 a day. I can almost guarantee you the amount of food that you get is not $20 a day. If you see the amount of calories that these people eat in one meal, you will laugh. You will completely laugh because it's, it's less than a child's plate. Well, um, that might be enough calories for a 10-year-old, but the average man or the average woman is never enough food for them to eat. And this is why a lot of them, they go out and beg, to be honest with you. Um, they're hungry. They don't get enough to eat in the shelters if they do eat there. So I, I just would like to ask the people to please go and visit your local homeless shelter and see what they do. See, and talk to the homeless people. Do not just talk to the administration. Go out and find a, just a nice, a kind homeless person, that you know, one that you're not afraid of, and ask them, what happened in their life? What, how did you get there? Um, are they treating you well in emissions? You'll get it, a better answer from them than you would from administration. And they can tell you themselves what is good and what isn't. But if we don't stop this now, it's going to triple very soon. We have more and more, I don't know the numbers, but we have more homeless people out there and it's growing by the year. It's amazing how fast this problem is growing, but if we don't find a way to fix this right now, look out in the next year or so. It's, I think it will actually double by that time. So that's about it, David. Well, thank you so much for your perspective. It's always good to have people who have experienced this. And, and like you said, when you talk to the directors of nonprofits or government officials, or city officials, they give you one version of the facts, but then actually talking to the people who have experienced it and who um, might still have connections in that type of world, you get to hear, you know, the voice of the voiceless. So we thank you for coming on the show. We will have uh, Ms. Harris uh, on future shows talking about other subjects, but uh, we appreciate your time and we thank you for honoring us with your, your presence here on the show. Oh, it's fantastic. And you have a great evening. Thank you. So it's going to play next Wednesday if you want to tell your friends, and I'll send you the information.